0: Light the Fight podcast, David Kozlowski.
1: My name's Heidi Swapp. <laughs> I just gave her this hard, stern look. <laughs> I thought you were going to, I don't know, I thought you were going to do a cheer or something. I was waiting for oh, some... That's right. Like... Last
0: time I told you about my inner desire to be a male cheerleader. Yeah, it there was really know. good. I was super impressed. <laughs> well, thank you guys for tuning in, even though I confess that I want to be a male cheerleader. No, I did not confess that I want to be a male cheerleader. No, you Last just week.
1: jumped right in. I you just did, jumped it right wasn't into not even character. I want to. It just was like you were.
0: Well, it wasn't even like I was in character. I was just being me. <laughs> I was living out a dream I never got to live out in my early 20s. That's awesome. Well, thanks for joining us here at Light the Fight Podcast. As I said jokingly, I'm David. This is Heidi. We're here to share with you any pitfalls that Heidi's ever had, will have. And hopefully, you guys don't have to have them as hard as she's had them. Or at least you can learn from the pitfalls that she's had. And I know I've learned a lot from your pitfalls, Heidi, so (laughs) I can personally thank you. Um, You're
1: welcome. You're welcome.
0: But one thing I want to say, Heidi, is since the last time we did an episode, um, we got a couple comments from some people about, you know, the echo and different things with our equipment. Well, if it sounds a little bit different today, hopefully it's a better different. Um, Thank you for being patient with us. We're trying really hard to get the equipment that we have down the way it's supposed to be. The problem is we're not in our studio yet. So we have a very short term goal in the next month or so to be in our studio, to be recording without the echoes, without all the little, um, like it sounds like I'm walking away from Heidi when we're talking, <laughs> or like one of us is like, you know, speaking like completely across the pond to the other person. <laughs> so thank you for being patient with that, uh, with, with this process with us, and hopefully um, even despite the clarity of some of the things that we've said, hopefully you still have gotten our inside jokes and hopefully you still laughed and cried with us because Lord knows we've, we've shared some tears either openly or inside when we've been reflecting on these episodes. But real quick, Heidi, do, do you listen to the episodes like in kind of like, not just to critique yourself, but just listen to it kind of thinking about, will other people make sense of what we're talking about?
1: Well, I don't love listening to, I don't love listening back. Um, but then I had, a, I had a friend who,
0: was like, you don't well, like your voice or what?
1: No, I don't like any of it. <laughs> well, and I, I actually make lots of videos and stuff. I don't like to watch those things. That's so it's, I don't know, it feels weird. I mean, I'm not like you. I don't like to hear, I don't like to listen to myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, shots fired, Heidi. Well, you know, there might be some truth that I do like to hear myself talk, but I'll be honest, at the end of the day of talking all day long, I just want to shut up. I'm tired of hearing my own voice. So, I agree with you, Heidi. Sometimes I need to stop talking. But
1: I did have somebody say, you know, I was listening to this podcast, and you were talking about this, and, it like, we have, I don't know, 13 or 14 podcasts kind of under our belts at this point, if you include the DMs, and I'm already starting to sort of, like, forget. And so I had to go back and listen to one of the podcasts because I couldn't remember what I had said. And, um, and she was kind of referencing it, but I didn't want to – Tell her that I didn't know. (laughs) So, anyway, I I listened and I thought, oh yeah, it did make sense. that was good.
0: (laughs) Well, I I like to listen to it because I don't know. Hopefully, it's not entirely for my own ego just to hear my voice. But the reason why I like to listen to him is to see, one, if I'm being the same person that I'm being when I'm counseling or coaching someone. Because I I find I found that really hard when when we had the radio show. Over at ESPN, I'm looking over at our producer, like waiting for him to, like, go, oh, yeah, nod his head, how hard that was. I found it really hard. Like, parts of my personality would come out, and then other parts I'd, like, kind of, like, just tuck away and hide. And I'm like, how can I just be the same guy I am when I'm talking to people, when I'm counseling them in my office or coaching them? Because I think that's the guy that's just more like, I'm not thinking about what someone else is thinking when I'm talking. It's so hard when you're talking to the microphone. If any of you have ever, done a podcast out there, you're talking, and you're talking, sometimes you're talking, thinking about what other people are thinking about you while you're talking. And it's easy to get inside your own head. So I'm trying really hard ju- to just be the guy that my friends make fun of, uh, the guy that just laughs and jokes and cries with people during counseling sessions. And hopefully, as Heidi likes to say, I will evolve to be that person really soon
1: well here's the thing i am way better at talking about stamping and folding papers and cutting papers and and how things work like with my with my craft supplies and things like that this like as i'm talking i'm thinking and processing and uh, and so when i was listening i'm like gosh spit it out heidi <laughs> and so you know that's part of that's part of the package so sorry about that everyone who's listening and is like
0: well, speaking for everyone, I can say we all accept your apology.
1: <laughs> well, thank you.
0: <laughs> well, now let's move on to what we're really here for. Brrr, drum roll. Talk about some drama. Talk about relationships. Talk about success stories. All the above. So what do you got for us today, correspondent?
1: So sometimes, and I've confessed to you guys before, that I don't really tell David what I think we should talk about. And um, so it's kind of like when Johnny Carson like used to hold up the envelope and you know he had to he had to guess what it was anyway um i kind of put david on the spot i guess in this situation and the thing that i've been feeling this kind of prompting to talk about i and i think that it has to do with the fact that here in the next couple weeks is mother's day and then right after mother's day comes father's day and I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of on the countdown to Mother's Day, because on Mother's Day, you get to talk to your missionary. And and it's like, you know, it, for those of you who aren't familiar, my I've got a son that's living in Japan, and you only get to talk to them on Mother's Day and Christmas. So this is actually our last conversation. He's coming it's, home. Yeah. So it's via Skype. And previous to this circumstance... I was not a fan of Mother's Day. And part of it was because um, I kind of felt like, to be completely honest, I was like, for Mother's Day, I would like you to take the children and leave. And be gone for the entire day. <laughs> for Mother's Day, can I just not be a mom? Is is kind of what I wanted. Or the so other... So momless spa day? <laughs> yes.
0: Okay.
1: Or the other thing was you know, I just, you know, it's on Sunday, we go to church, and and it's all these talks about these wonderful moms, and I just felt like I didn't measure up, and it was my my day of mother inadequacy, self-reflection, you know, and so Mother's Day and Father's Day is kind of, it's supposed to be this honor day and all this stuff, but it kind of becomes this moment of, well, here's where I get my award for being a lousy mom or not having the answers or not knowing what I'm not knowing what I'm doing and wishing my kids would be gone for this entire day so that I could sleep in and clean the house without somebody ripping it apart the the second after you clean it or whatever but um it, it has got it's had me thinking about another one of those really pivotal sessions that you and I had and um it's been about three years from about right now when we had this conversation and it was it it was one of those times when you had to sort of say hard things for me to hear but i i wrote it down when i got out to the car i wrote it down and i wound it wound up being something that i shared over and over with other moms and so I feel like in light of, I know that I always tend to talk to the moms. And so this is uh, me talking to the dads too. Um, and David's kind of looking at me like, okay, what what did I say? <laughs> um, I remember specifically just, I, I was in, in that fear mode. And what I really wanted to do you know, as I was talking to to David and telling him my concerns and I'd come in the week and and maybe rattle off the things that didn't go well. And David got really serious with me that day and he said, you do know that Corey already has a Savior. And it's not your job to be his Savior. And um, of course that, at that time, I wanted to save him from himself. I wanted to protect him from these bad decisions. I wanted to somehow shake him, and I wanted him to know that he wasn't as bad as he thought he was or the situation wasn't as bad or whatever that was. And I don't know if maybe this is a talk that you give. You have to give parents a lot. Um, but at that time, you told me that While I wasn't allowed to be the savior, because there was already a savior in place, I did have three roles. And this is what I wrote down. I typed in the notes of my phone. You told me that I was allowed to love unconditionally, that I was allowed to be a mentor. And what that meant was that I could give advice based on, experience and lessons that I had learned and number three I could be the loudest cheerleader and I don't know I remember you talking about um, you know seeing like not being a lifeguard or seeing somebody in trouble and and not having the skills or the training the resources to save somebody but still jumping in and wanting to save them but because I wasn't trained or whatever actually it making a more dangerous situation we kind of talked about that I I'm sure that parents that are listening can imagine a situation where you know your child's in trouble and you don't even care you you jump in you would jump Jump through fire, you would you would do anything to save them. And so I wondered if maybe today, in kind of in that light of this Mother's and Father's Day, when we're feeling like um, knowing that there's things that we that we aren't doing perfectly, that we wish we could do better, talk a little bit more about that maybe pep talk or that separation of roles. That you shared with me
0: well if you listen to our last episode about the and um, when I told you that it was it was an and before I told you about and so this is something just to kind of just okay there's <laughs> n- I it, it's so hard I have like a thousand things I'm trying to like okay, let, let me prioritize them and categorize them inside of my mouth so I don't spit them all out at once I've never met a mom that didn't have this thought in her head. Now, this may not be a conscious thought for all you moms out there, but it's in there. Well, it's in the head of all sane mothers. Insane mothers, I can't speak for them. But but all the sane mothers, now, if you say, well, I feel like I'm going crazy as a mom, well, then you're quite sane. Um, Yeah, because if you think you're going crazy, you haven't lost it quite yet. (laughs) But with all mothers that, that I've talked to, I hear them say things like this, like, I want my parent, I want my kids to know that I love them. I want to do this because this is how I show my kids I love them. Or because I love them, I do this. And they're always actively making sure that they leave some sort of bright light sign, some sort of identifiable marker that their kids can walk by and see, oh yeah, my mom loves me. Because a fear that all mothers have is that the, their kids will live one second on this earth and doubt or question if their mom loves them. Now, after hearing this from a lot of mothers, and granted, moms are saying this is all different ways, shapes, or forms, but I heard this continually.
1: Well, the problem is that if they're not picking up their clothes, and if they're leaving their bike in the same place, and if they're traipsing through the the, the, the floor with dirty sh- shoes on, then that means that they're not understanding our love. They're not understanding how we show love to each other.
0: And after hearing moms say this stuff you know quite frequently you know it always came down to them like man moms really from my experience from the exposure i had to lots of moms my experience was that moms never ever 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 want their kids to think for one second that they're not there for them it's like the greatest fear for most moms like if you ever think that i don't love you or i don't care for you my daughter said it recently she's like you like my brother more than you like me my wife handled it really good She's like, wait, 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 She's like, tell me why you think that way. So my daughter told her why she said, hey, babe, I don't blame you for thinking that way, I get it. And you're right, we do think your little brother did this better today than you. And my wife, she's nice. Not- <laughs> and we still love you just as much as him, you know? So it was just, it was a good time to have a good little dialogue. But how this came about, one particular mom, I uh, actually saw her today, it was very good seeing her. One of my oldest people I know in the state of Utah, let's put it that way. I've helped their family out a lot, very close with these people, just great people in general. Her son, um, for those of you out there know what borderline personality disorder is. Her son uh, is struggles with addiction, has struggled massively with addiction, has gone to multiple treatment centers, uh, started struggling when he, when he was a teenager, uh, got diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, um, very accurate diagnosis for him, and... He has really had a, guf, a tough go of things throughout these past years. He's gotten a lot better now, but when the mom was really figuring out for the first time what this personality disorder is, how to help her son even though he's struggling with addiction, she came across this very important and statement that w- was beneficial to her, but I shared it with a lot of other mothers. And and here's what the statement was, it was very simple and very basic, she said, I love you and I cannot save you for her here. Let me give you a little context what this meant for her. her son had just stolen like at least 10 grand on all their credit cards from her and her husband. This is not the first time this happened. He'd been multiple drug offenses, multiple treatment centers. You know, he has a, um, a trust fund account and so he's wanting to get this money and is constantly calling her, trying to manipulate her to give him money, this, that, and the other. And every single time he called, she couldn't not answer the phone. Every single time she was, he was in distress. She had to be there. Even if all of her faculties are saying, no, he needs to learn this hard lesson on his own. And here's what she told me. She said, again, I don't want him to think I don't love him. But two, I'm hardwired to constantly show, testify, whatever it is, my love for him. And I said, you're absolutely right. That's your job as a mother. It's your responsibility. And you can't save him. She had known through multiple drug rehabs. She'd known through all the difficult situations she had. Her love, it's not that her love wasn't enough to save him. Her love was never meant to save him. Her love was to support him. Her love was to help him get through this difficult time in his lifetime. And by the way... She adopted this young man. She'd raised him since he was a baby. His dad had passed away at a young age. So these are all details that she was like, I'm the protector, I'm the mother, I'm there to make sure that he never has hurt and pain. Then she came to the realizations that he has lots of hurt and pain, he's gonna continue to have hurt and pain, and I can only be like, you know, the person walking with him as he's going through that hurt and pain. So when she came up with this very definitive statement, it kind of spiraled into a lot of other great statements for her and ands for her, but it started to spread with a lot of other women. And it was very similar. Some women would say it a little bit differently, but it was very similar in the sense that they would identify one thing and then say something else. Here's what they identified with. And what Heidi's talking about right now, and and a lot of people that have a religious background, specifically if you're Christian, even more specific if you're LDS, will want to testify of the things that they believe in and that they feel are true however they can't necessarily prove it in the mormon religion they call us you know like a testimony meeting testifying something other people in other religions they have this like you need to say what's true you know if jesus is true if god's true whatever it is you feel the need to testify it. well heidi and other mothers including this mother they told me when they bear a testimony and they say something even though they can't prove it It makes them more solidified in their belief. It makes them feel stronger, and it it gives them more courage and bravery to act out as if they are the person that believes that versus the person that's scared that their kid is going to die or is going to have all these horrible circumstances happen to them. So when she said, I love you, she would take a breath and realize, I just testified that I love my son. And guess what? She got to check the box, I'm a good mom, because she let her son know that she loves him. And she got to check another very important box. It's called the box of reality. And she could not save him. So when she checked that box that I love my son, it then gave her an allowance of permission to say something else that was true. Her son was on his own level. He was going through his own thing. She'd never struggled with addictions. She'd never had a personality disorder. She'd never gone through these things. So... As he was going through these struggles and as he was going through these difficult times, she would constantly, she would have to tell herself this multiple times a day. There are some days she was like, I have to save him, I'd have to save him. Then she'd shake her head and like, kind of smack herself upside the head and like go, wait a second. Yeah, I feel like I have to save him. And like you said, she had other roles that she could have been working on. She had other things that would benefit him so much more. Those were not the things he needed. They were the things he wanted. So for example.
1: But also it's, it's fulfilling the need that you have as a mom to take away the pain somehow. Like It's part of your rule. It, it, it makes you feel better. If, if I didn't have to watch that or vicariously feel the pain.
0: So I, I mentioned this in one of our other podcasts. Our brains have hijacked our pain receptors. If you're listening to this, know that this is a fact, okay? Our brains are very wired to make sure if someone else that we care about, and love is going through pain, we're supposed to feel pain because if we didn't feel pain, we wouldn't be so quick to help them out. Now, if you're talking about a mom that gives birth to this child and this child grows up and she has to watch him go through pain and if she has any capability to help with this pain, it almost would be absurd to think don't jump in and help immediately. And that's where you have to transition from cha- raising a child, to having a partnership with a teenager. A partnership means that you are both working on your own thing that is going to be mutually benefiting to both of you. Most teenagers, generally speaking, have to work on their own autonomy, they have to work on developing their own personality, um, you know, which includes their own identity, all these different types of things, and they have to work on doing things for themselves even though they feel uncomfortable and don't want to do it. You know what moms have to work on? Not saving their kids every time they're drowning not saving their kids when their kids are in distress and they're saying, mom, mom, help, help. Because when you're hardwired to show up and help that person, not only do you not give them an opportunity to develop coping skills to help themselves, you're not helping yourself deal with the hurt and pain that comes from them going through hurt and pain. The only way for you to get better watching your kids going through hurt and pain is to support them through it instead of trying to make sure it's gone and alleviate it from their life.
1: Which is like, you know, excusing all the absences. Yeah, that's a big
0: one. <laughs> By the way, if you excuse all your, kids, all your kids' absences and they are disrespectful to you to that same day, ha, that's what you get, parents. <laughs> you got duped. You got duped because here's what it is. If you're going to excuse them for your absence, you better let it be known I'm to so them. guilty
1: of this. No, here,
0: Here's the trick, a little side trick here. If you're going to excuse your kids from their absence, you tell them, I'm going to excuse you from this absence because I chose to do you a solid this one time, not because you asked me. It was my choice. The only way that's going to work is if you're doing it one-time scenario. You're choosing to feel for them. If you tell them, "Y'all yeah, excuse it, y'all yeah, excuse it," and then one day you get really mad because they're always asking you, well, of course they're going to be asking you. Feed a cat that comes to your house every single day, and then get mad at it for coming to your house. It's hardwired. It knows where to get the food. And I'm using a cat analogy because that is the closest analogy in the animal kingdom to a teenager. Cats, they come around when they need something, and then they're gone when they go. Well,
1: come. I'm telling you this because I have, this, I have a problem with this right now for sure. You got a cat? Yeah, and her name's – no. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know you had a cat. <laughs> no, here, here's my problem is that I call – you know, I need to excuse this tardy. I'm like, would you like to excuse the other five absences? What? <laughs> no, but – Yes, of course, because I can't handle the (laughs) no-grade. It's
0: a reflection on you, too, though. Absolutely. And you start, as moms, all you moms out there listening, you know, like, if I just intervene this one time, I could circumvent so many other issues. Like, I could just help them with all these other things if I just jump in this one time. But then you're setting a precedent. You're saying, hey, listen, if you're in trouble, I will bail you out. I'm not saying don't bail your kids out. I'm saying if you are going to bail them out, let them know that it's your decision, your choice, not because they're asking to do it. And once you bail them out, let them know it's a one-time thing. So if they come back and ask you again, you can let them know as you're saying it softly in your head. Hey, I love you, sweetheart. I know you want me to excuse you for all these things, and I'm not excusing you.
1: Well, and I think an important distinction to make is that being a savior is different than helping somebody who's coming to you. and and genuinely needing help like in my case sometimes um I felt like my kid was behaving in a way and did not want my help didn't want and and I'm not talking about when we actually needed help it's more like when you know I knew we were on a crash course and he didn't and that it would you know and I wanted to protect and he didn't want to be protected and I I mean it's just kind of a I think that the I just want to a mom is there to help and support and so I'm not saying you can't help or support your kid and I don't think you're saying that either right
0: no help support is not saving
1: right and so I just want to just like struggling is not
0: sailing right They're, they're just different things so the reason why I like to mu- I like to use the distinction, and, and because of your th- faith background, I knew you would understand that metaphor, analogy, whatever you want to call it, is that you know when someone is thinking of the Savior, so like a, a Christian faith-based person, they're thinking of the Savior. If you think about you know what he's supposed to represent, it's easy to be like, hey, I want to be like him. I, I want to be that person who's who's in it, who's loyal, who's trusting, who's always going to be there. To to help the people and to try to bridge the gaps between hurt and pain to happiness and pleasure, right? That's a great thing to aspire to. That's a great thing to want to be. The problem lies with that is that by definition, if you look at Jesus' life, even the Savior can't save everybody. Because what he was doing in how all that plays out in that story. He was doing the necessary steps to give us a pathway and a bridge to come back to happiness. He wasn't actually saying, hey, I'm not gonna gonna make it so you don't ever have to feel hurt and pain. I can't take away everything from you, but if you bring something to me, I can help you with it. So that's where a parent should be taking more from that story is it shouldn't be the story that I have to esteem to be perfect like the savior. I should esteem to be someone who is easy to talk to who is relatable, who can understand you so that when you do have struggles, I can go through it with you, but I can't do it for you.
1: So why don't we talk a little bit more about the three roles that you told me that I could, that I could play and and sort of define those parameters because, and I think we've talked about this a lot, we don't really want to focus on the problem. We maybe want to focus on Solutions and tools.
0: Yeah. So go over the first three again.
1: Okay, so the first thing that... For our listeners. <laughs> the first thing that you said that I was allowed to do was love unconditionally. And I think we've kind of already covered that. Um, and loving unconditionally doesn't mean excusing absences. Yeah. Um, the second thing that you told me was that I was allowed to be a mentor. And that means that... I remember you kind of defining it in that I could use my personal experiences to share and and to teach. But mentors don't go chasing down their students. <laughs> they kind of wait until their student comes to them. And um, some might never never happened <laughs> with teenagers. <laughs> but anyway, and then the third thing um, that – you mentioned was to be that I could be the loudest cheerleader
0: well let's start with the mentor the first one love unconditionally Um, wouldn't we all in a perfect world like to love everyone unconditionally I mean that would when I say, I hope we'd all want that, like just to be, don't see color, don't see race. so much don't easier see, to
1: love somebody that yeah. is doing what you tell them. The media that. would hate it, you
0: know, because they wouldn't have anything to report upon. The news would be boring. The news would just be telling you about like what the traffic was like and that's it. <laughs> um, but the mentoring part, if you're older than your child, that's one qualification that you meet to be a mentor. So hopefully you're older than your child, all you listeners out there. You're smiling at it? Okay. <laughs> hey, you're talking to a guy that I was raised by my grandparents and I have nieces and nephews that are like almost my exact same age. I was like, wait, that's your niece? or That's your nephew? So the first part of mentoring, if you're older, it does give you a little bit of like, hey, I've been there, done that. I've been around for a while. I want you to benefit from all my life experiences, not just the ones that I got hurt or something bad happened. So if you're a parent and you want to use your mentoring capabilities for your child, only to teach them or mentor them when they're making a mistake. That doesn't really qualify you as a neutral mentor. It qualifies you as someone who has an agenda. So when you're mentoring your kids or you want to mentor your kids or be that kind of coach for them, make sure that you're not just weighing in on their lows. You're also weighing in on things that they've made a good decision about. Just like any coach or mentor, it's like, hey, you're assessing, wow, you did this really good. Here's your highs, like we talked about in the last episode. And you, here's some need to improvement, here's some of your lows. So, be the mentor that you would want someone to be for you, is what I'm saying. Don't just say, hey, you know, you did this wrong and I'm really worried about you. Continue down this path in your life because it could ruin your life. You could say it like this, hey, listen, you know I don't like that. You know I don't want you to do that because if you did that, I'll be all scared that it could ruin your life. However, since you are doing this and since you kind of got yourself in this scenario and situation, I could give you a little bit of feedback, something that might work, but ultimately I'm not 100% sure because this is not something I have a lot of experience with. Let's think about some people you could call and ask questions to, to help you mentor this. As a counselor, I have to refer people to other counselors. A good mentor isn't the one-stop shop. As a parent, our ego wants to be satisfied that if our kids always listen to us, that means we're a great parent. That's not true.
1: Don't you also think that a mentor recognizes that they have that they have come down the path a lot further? One of the things that we've talked about quite a bit, and, and that I've that I've heard various people talk about is, as as an adult, we want to protect our kids from making mistakes because we don't because we know that sucked for us. But we we have you know maybe. 25 30 40 years on a kid and we can't expect them to understand what took us 40 years or 30 years or how many I'm 26 years older than my oldest child (laughs) um I can't expect him to know what I know because of what I've been through and and the empathy and the path that I've taken and so I think a mentor understands that relationship like I can't expect you to know what I know
0: well, the thing about it, a mentor doesn't really have the same time frame that maybe other people in your life have. So as a parent, if you want to be a better coach or mentor to step outside of the parent just for a moment, it's very helpful to see yourself. as just a different type of a partner for your kid. You're just a partner with them through this. They get to go through this and you get to watch it. For high or hell, or you know, for high water, for low water, like you get to have the front row seat. You can choose
1: the front row seat, or you might want to go back a little further.
0: (laughs) Well, think about it a great mentor, a great coach is going to be courtside, whatever it is, right there for you. They're going to congratulate when you did good, and when you did good, they're going to analyze it and give you some suggestions. And when you didn't do good, they're going to sit there and put their arm around you and cry with you. It is a partnership. Yeah, just because you're older and just because you're ahead of the game you you know, you got 26 years specifically in your case with your oldest kid doesn't mean that you're not partners in this. So the mentorship should really be seen as in order for me to be a better mentor, AKA partner with my teenager or, you know, young child, however they are. You have to have realistic expectations of where they're at and how you got to where you're at.
1: And I just want to add one thing. There are a couple of people that I consider mentors myself, my dad, actually being one of them. Um, but a mentor also doesn't take... What's the person that you say? A mentee? What What's somebody who comes to the oh, mentor? Oh, someone who's
0: being mentored? <laughs> a mentee? I'll, <laughs> I'll go with that. Sounds awkward and uncomfortable, but let's do that.
1: They don't take that person's decisions personally because they're, they're not their mom. I mean... Obviously, I'm trying to say be, be their mom, but that's the, that is the one thing that when somebody asks me my advice, the first thing I will say is don't take your child's decisions personally. Um, and I, I don't think that a mentor does that either. I think a mentor can can be quite subjective.
0: Well, I, I, I think that's... I, I okay, think...
1: The, the producer just told me that mentee is the correct... I don't, I don't believe
0: it, Siri. <laughs> I don't. I think he's just trying to cater to your ego to not hurt your feelings. No, so it, hence the reason why I actually started to change the word from mentor to re, to partnership. I so, like that. So, mm-hmm. and, and and when what you're saying is right, but okay, I won't say right. What you're saying is accurate. I would just add something to it. You're saying, hey, you can't take what your kid does personally. It's impossible but everybody does. (laughs) So technically you're wrong. They can take, you can't, they, you can take it personally. However, what you're really saying and, and kind of what we're telling you right now is that the less personal you take it, the better partner you can be.
1: Okay. I like that.
0: Because if you're in a partnership with someone and they have a fail, well, then you have a fail, but if you have a fail, guess what? It affects them too. So if you want to be a better partner, you got to be better at your side of the street, what you're doing. Then when someone comes to you and says, "Hey, how did you do your part so well?" You can weigh in on it. Most kids won't go to the same parent for the same type of information. For your kids, they might go to you for one thing because that's just their thing. They go to you. They connect with you about it. Maybe you're an expert on it. Have a. Maybe you've just given them good advice in the in the past. Maybe I'm just on the of Exactly. So, so maybe, they're, maybe they're looking at you saying, Mom, I'll go to Mom for this. I'll go to Dad for that. That's not a, that's not a bad thing. That's just normal. But in any partnership, if we want to be the person that they come to for everything because we feel we can help them, then we're trying to give them something they're not looking for. If your kid comes to you for one thing and you play it cool, you weigh in like a partner or a mentor or a coach and you give some suggestions and ideas, then it allows them to sit with it and see what they want to do with it. Now, right now, we're not talking about life-threatening situations. We're talking about day-to-day, you know, conversations, things that may happen in your teenager's life. But this really sets the precedent because what happens is if they say, I could trust my parents for two things or my mom for two things, maybe I could trust her for something else. That's going to take a little bit of time. So earlier when we're saying like, I love you, but I can't save you, you're doing it for you as well. Because how are you gonna get to see their successes if you don't give them more time to have success? How are they gonna see that you're patient with their failures, with yeah, with their failures and faults and their insecurities if they don't have time to show you that they can work on those failures, faults, and insecurities? For most people out there, when I say this next thing I'm about to say, they get it. I say from the ages of day one till you're eighteen, by law, you are in charge of your kids. From 18 and on, you're their partners. Don't let the transition happen overnight because it doesn't happen overnight. You should be working on changing and transitioning from your relationship as being their parent they're being the kid to you being their partner at early teenage years. Well, you can even do it earlier, but specifically at early teenage years, these are the years where they're really wanting freedom and they think they're deserving of it. So these are the years where you can start to implement little things to do about how to become a better partner. Now, as we go on, Heidi, this is something that it's too short for this podcast, but I did it with another podcast before talking about how to become a, a partner. It's called the Parent-Teen Partnership. We can maybe do a seminar or do a speaking engagement or maybe just do a full podcast about that. But on my other uh, podcast show that I had that was like one of the most downloaded ones. That everyone shared that one. It just made sense. Basically, what it is: if you got a kid struggling behavior, you got a kid struggling with, um, you know, attitude and grades, and you're in the middle of a school quarter or you're in school time, it's just an agreement to help you guys both stay on your side of the fence and work on your part. Parents get to work on being more patient, and teenagers get to work on doing more stuff so your parents don't go impatient and drive themselves crazy watching you taking your time has to be mutually benefiting for both. But it's easy for you to say, hey, as a parent, my kid's putting in some skin into the game, they're working on this. Maybe I should chill out a little bit. Versus my kid's not doing anything, I can't chill out, I gotta turn up the heat. When I talk to teenagers and they start doing some things that a partner would do, like, hey, my parents have been saying mow the lawn for, I don't know, the past month, and one day I just got up and mowed it soon as your parents see you mow the lawn, they're going to respect you more. If they respect you more, then when you ask them, hey, I I want to share an idea or something, but don't be offended by it, then they're going to trust that the idea that you're going to share is something that you just want to talk about, not that you're trying to criticize their parenting. And then after that, they start to go, you know what, maybe they're growing up and getting a little bit more mature. Maybe I could give them some more freedom. And then that's where everybody wins. The teenager gets ultimately what they want, which is Respect, trust, and freedom, and the parent gets ultimately what they want is they get to see their teenager actively pursue being more respectful, being more trustworthy, and be deserving of the freedom that they that they just got.
1: If teenagers had any idea how little they would actually have to do to win their parents over.
0: Well the teenagers (laughs) I talk to know that. Teenagers I talk to, you might you give your parents a couple solids They'll, they'll do whatever you want for them. I mean, in most cases, parents are more than willing to come out of their own comfort zone and match your energy, double your energy, triple your energy. You know, if you do something up front, it's just going to give your parents more justification to be on your side and give you the benefit of the doubt. I had a girl that came to me recently and she said, Hey, listen, um, I tried that whole partnership thing we've been working on. I came to my mom and said, Hey, listen, mom, I decided to come home early tonight. And the mom was like, well, yeah, that's really weird. Usually you're late. And she goes, why'd you come early? "Uh, The kids that I was hanging out with, they're going to go, I don't know if I can tell you, mom. And she goes, well, I'll tell you what. I'm just happy that you're home early. And whatever I did to make you not trust me that you can't tell me these things, it's probably because I freaked out and I'm willing to deserve it. So hopefully I can earn your trust back so you can tell me these things later. Next day, she's like, all right, mom, I'm going to give you a shot, but just don't blow it. <laughs>
1: she was joking <laughs> with
0: her mom. And the mom was like, okay, what? She's like, well, they're doing this. They're doing that. And I knew if I went there, I'd be tempted to do it. She was getting drug tested. at the time. She goes, I know I wouldn't do it, but I just, I don't know. If I just came home, hung out with you guys, I wouldn't have to worry about coming up with an excuse. I wouldn't have to worry about this. I wouldn't have to worry about that. So that's what it was. I told her mom. I said, one, the daughter was, I'm super proud of your daughter, that she actually came to you and said, hey, I came home early, not because my ride dropped me off early, because I actually wanted to, because that took some risk for her, and two, that she came back and told you what was going on with their friend group. But the biggest success out of that whole entire thing is that the mom didn't try to save her from that friend group. The mom said my first instinct was to say... those kids are doing this like are sure shouldn't you hang have you talked to Susie in a while like shouldn't you be hanging out with her instantly mom confessed that in the past she would have gone let me push her down this route because she's finally being open with me this is my first chance i can jump in and i can make her not make her but i can help her do the things she wants to do she was testing mom she wasn't wanting mom to change her life she's not going to bail on those friends those are her good friends that she's had a lot of good times with she's not going to just say hey since I'm not doing drugs anymore it was marijuana since I'm not doing those things I can't talk to anyone who ever does those things in her eyes she goes it was it was extreme because not everyone in that friend group did marijuana but the ones that did were the ones that she did it with before so the mom didn't freak out on her later on she said you know what mom I was wrong. I think I can talk to you more things. You didn't freak out at all about when I told you that last night. And then, you know, I even left out some of the things about what they did. And she started telling her all this other information. And the mom was like, okay, too much info. (laughs) I can only handle so much about your friends right now. You don't want me to freak out. Let's just stop there. But it was a great step in the right direction in a partnership. Partners don't want their partners to lie to them because they can't handle the truth. Partners want their partners to be honest with them so they can get better at handling the truth.
1: I like that. All right. So let's just quickly, um, I'm not allowed to say quickly. Let's touch, (laughs) let's move on. Because nothing's quick. (laughs) Let's talk about the cheerleader. And one of the things that we didn't talk about in this particular, at this particular time, and that I've learned since, is that there are ways to effectively cheer on your children and a ways to ineffectively cheer on your children and so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna prompt you any more than that I because I want to just hear what you're gonna say while I' put you on the spot
0: <laughs> well if we had cameras here it may it'd be a lot more entertaining right now because I'm about to in I'm about to uh, impersonate a mother cheering on her five-year-old son. Okay. 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 I'm ready. I'm excited. Joey, oh, I love you so much, sweetheart. You're mommy's little angel. I'm so proud of you. I'm so amazed. You're so smart. You're so intelligent. Oh, mm, Come give me a hug. Mm. I love you. I love you. I love you. You're awesome. Okay. That's a five-year-old. <laughs> okay. Totally acceptable. I get it. You're elated with joy. That's your baby boy. He is still your angel, right? He is not giving you the scary teenage experiences, okay? You haven't opened up a text and go, oh, my son said what? Right, he's still the angel. Now let's say a preteen, 10 years old. If you use that same approach or anything that smells like it, anything that remotely smells like you're trying to build up little Joey's confidence because you hate it when he gets sad and you hate it when he gets down and you hate it when he's mad at himself and believes he can't do things, then you're taking a big risk at 10 years old. Don't even get me started at teenagers, but I'll get there in just a second. At 10 years old, it should sound a little bit more like this. Joey, I can't tell you enough how proud I am of you, so I'm not gonna try to tell you. I just wanna let you know. See what hard work pays off. You see what happens when you work hard. You know, you're doing a great job. Thank you so much. Um, Man, I'm just proud of you. Here's what it should sound like for 13 years old. You're pretty awesome. I don't want to tell you too much because you might take it to your head and think that you can get out of doing your chores, but you've impressed me. I'm impressed. I admit it. That's all I wanted to say. Now with an older teenager, someone that's about to move out of the house, 17, 18-year-old, this is where the partnership gets even a little bit deeper. You tell them, say, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I I wasn't sure if you could do it. I was trying to protect you from failing. I wanted you to go to this school because I thought it'd be safer for you. But the reality of it is you're much more braver than I am. You're much more courageous than I am. And so if I'm trying to protect you, it's because I'm the one that's scared. You shouldn't have to be scared. Keep on going. You're doing great. Now, if you look at the evolution of all those things, being a cheerleader has to change you go watch the little cheerlead like in the literal sense of being a cheerleader, like defense. Uh, like it's so basic when they're little. And then as you get older, it's like, oh, it's like getting even more team spirit. And then you get into college and competition. Like, well, these are gymnastic phenoms doing crazy backflips. It has nothing to do with the football game or the basketball game. This is a high-level athleticism. And these girls, if they fall or in serious trouble and it's dangerous, and they have to be on top of their A game. You're not going to cheer a really top-level athlete the same way you would a little child. So when we are trying to be the support people, the better partners, we have to be realistic. Is what is the cheering that they can handle and that they want and that they need, not the cheering that we feel comfortable with.
1: Well, and I think I'm I'm just going to interject. If you say something like, oh, "You you you're so you're so pretty. You're the best one out there. You're, that's you're the shining star your i th- i liked that you say you see how this hard work uh, you know your hard work is paying off you're doing something that i could never do or you know really when you when you think about cheering for for your kid and and you know when we kind of flip the coin how do you cheer when when they're not being an elite athlete <laughs> when they're not at the top of their game, when they're not the, the top, the MVP, right? Then how do you cheer? I, I think that that reality of, I liked what you said, you know, you are brave. I see you doing this and you, you are brave. That impresses me. Thank you for working so hard. Um, cheering isn't just your rah-rah. It's looking at a situation Extracting what it took. You've even said sometimes you maybe have to like cheer for them before they actually do it. (laughs) Which is kind of like. That's a
0: Jedi mind trick.
1: (laughs) Which I'm still, I'm really not very good at. So I'm working on that one. For
0: those of you, just so you know what you're talking about, it's if you have a kid that really doesn't believe that they can do something that's obvious that they could do one thing you can and you can use this in many ways but using this example if you want to cheer for them but you know they're not actually doing it you can say hey you know what you're gonna be successful you figured out all these other problems in the past yeah you may not be where you want to be but you're definitely not getting worse so keep on going because I'm proud of the success you've already made and on top of that look at you Look how much you've improved since when you first started. So you're giving them the credibility for them being able to handle a situation before they handle it. You're almost predicting the future. Well, a cheerleader, a partner, a mentor, anyone that's a great support person is going to get really good at framing and actually putting things in a way that you see the potential instead of the problem. If you see the problem, I can't do it, I can't do it, and the parent says, well, why do you think you can't do it? Well, then now you're just giving them more informa- or giving them more doubt or questioning them, and now they have to think, well, it's right. Well, why can't I do it? This is ridiculous. I'm more than capable of it. But instead, if you want to be an effective partner, if you want to be an effective cheerleader, you want to be an effective support person, it, when your child is saying, I don't believe I can do it, I feel like I'm a failure, ride that wave with them. Just like we said last week on the Anne. If you're a kid saying, I suck, I'm horrible at this, you look at him, it's like, no, I'm not going to tell you not to feel that way because I'd be a hypocrite. I felt like that way three times today, or I felt like that way plenty of times before. Let them have their moment. Sometimes we just need a good pity party. Sometimes we need to vent. Sometimes we need to get stuff out there. If you're a cheerleader, if you're a mentor, if you're, like I said, a partner, what makes you think it's your role to tell them, don't think that, don't do that that's absurd you should be telling i don't blame you for thinking that i get why you think that i've thought that before and what are we gonna do about it we're gonna just sit here take some time off get back at it tomorrow make a decision let me know that's what good cheerleaders and support people do they're in it regardless whether you're you're hanging your head or whether your your highs your lows you're there right there with you through that process Better support, people that are the best support person are also the people who are less critical of themselves. The more criticism, the more, the more you can actually take as far as your own criticism, other people's criticism, and you can use that in a very progressive way to help you see what you can improve upon. Maybe you can use it as a little bit of motivation. Then you're able to do that for your kids. But if you're hypercritical of yourself, If you're overbearing and you're like, dang it, I need to get better in the socks and socks, 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 socks. Well, maybe they heard you talk about those things your whole entire life, their whole entire life, I mean. And they're just modeling and they're mirroring those same things for you. So you need to recorrect it. If you're ever showing your insecurities to your kids throughout their life while they're growing up and you're saying things out loud that help them kind of take on this sort of I can't do it, I can't do it mentality. Or if they're just in a really hard time, this is your opportunity to say, you know what? Keep on feeling how you're feeling. But in five minutes, let's do something about it. Or in a day, tell me what you want to do about it. Because if you want to complain about this every single day for the next month, I'm your parent. I'm not going anywhere. I will listen to you for the next month complain about the same thing. But I'm guessing you don't want to sit here and complain about it and be a Debbie Downer or a Danny Downer for the rest of the month. I think you want to do something about it. So as soon as you figure out what you want to do, let me know and I'll help you do it.
1: You know what you said to me that day? You said the cheer squad at the high school team has to cheer even when the team's down that's right even when there's only 30 seconds left and they know their team's not going to pull it out they still have to cheer because their cheer coach is like all right call this one you know whatever
0: when you're getting blown out and everybody's leaving for the parking lot cheerleaders don't get to leave (laughs)
1: No, the cheerleaders <laughs> leave. still have to cheer, even when they're down, and um, that stuck. That was the image that stuck, and you know, I wasn't a cheerleader, but
0: I only wanted to be a
1: cheerleader. <laughs> you should have been. You you were missing your calling as the football I just football didn't have enough team thing. spirit.
0: <laughs> I wasn't a team player.
1: <laughs> um. Anyway, so I think that that's where I would want to leave this. There's, there's a lot of things for you parents and me and obviously Dave also as parents. When we go into this Mother's and Father's Day season, um, it gives us really a chance to, yeah, we know where our weaknesses are. But if we can focus on these things and and view it in this way, and I think that the last thing that you can kind of ask yourself is you know are you going to be still cheering even even if your team isn't isn't going to win are you going to still cheer and the answer is yes and that's what is going to make you a good a good parent and somebody that you know is going to stand out when when the brain fully develops and everything comes around, that's what is going to be remembered.
0: Well, I, I think that's a perfect way to wrap up this episode. Um, hopefully, that was helpful. I'm smiling, <laughs> Heidi. Inside joke. <laughs> Well, I believe He's
1: hoping we're all hoping.
0: Well, no, I I, I don't have to hope. I, I know it was helpful because when you were talking about that, I'd forgot about that conversation. And then when you started saying those things, oh yeah, I do say that like, <laughs> it, it had been a while since I had had that specific kind of like a cheerleading thing. And, and in that conversation, I think I just made that up as we we're talking with a whole entire cheerleader analogy. But I think you came to me saying like, man, I want to get better at being a support for my kids. But also at the same time realizing I can uh, want to no, save them. I
1: wanted to save them. I didn't want to be just a support. I wanted to take away the pain. I wanted to jump in and pull them out. I wanted to walk through fire. I wanted to take the hit so my kid didn't have to. And I'm not going to lie. I still do. I, I would over and over. I would. Um, but that's not the role that God gave me. And um, so I gotta focus on the role that God gave me and, and try to improve every day.
0: And how are your kids supposed to ever learn? A lot of people say, it, or it's safe to say that life, there's lo- I mean, you, you take lots of shots in life. Like li- life is always throwing you different shots. You're always getting hit by something. How can your kids ever be, get better at taking a punch if you jump in front of everyone that they're supposed to take?
1: I know, I know, I know, it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst thing to watch. Um, but we do that out of love as well.
0: That's right. And we're going to keep on doing that. And you're going to keep on coming back to the Light the Fight podcast. It's because if you feel horrible and you feel like you've made some mistakes, come on back here to visit us. We'll let you know you're in good company. <laughs> We've made all the same mistakes. Or at least we can relate to the mistakes you have made. So then that also means we get to be great cheerleaders for you when you have your highs. And I think, Heidi, you said it really good last time. Yes, we like your questions for our DMs, but we also like to know about your wins. If you're like, hey, this helped me figure out something. I unlocked some sort of puzzle in my mind or it's changing my approach with my kid or my family or loved ones, please let us know those too, because we want to be your cheerleaders as well.
1: So we're here for you. Thank you again for listening and happy Mother's Day.
0: Happy Father's
1: Day. <laughs> we're a little it. bit early
0: out for mother's day and father's day but i like that we're starting it now because it deserves some attention well at least a mother's day one the father's day it's good it's cute
1: i mean you got a grill <laughs> you you got to get the, you got to get your grill on that's that's like true that's what father's day is all about that's grill true. master i, I do like actually grill. eric is a good griller i can't i don't even try anyway i told my i told my wife
0: because she always gets mad at me i like burn the chicken i'm like i always burn white meat (laughs) i can't burn dark meat for some reason the dark meat because i'm you know mexican someone i feel like i just cook the dark meat better she's like no you just never put on the alarm with the white meat
1: man i don't even i don't even try so
0: man i'm getting hungry now we're talking about that (laughs) well thanks for joining light the fight and cooking podcast and until next time you guys thanks for joining talk to you soon